0: Hey, I'm Steve Gambiel and welcome to Life Church. Hey, this is our normal podcasting program, but this is not a normal program. Just this last week, I was so aware of all the challenges that people face. People face so many tough situations from health issues, financial issues, marital problems, addictions, time pressures, prioritizing all this stuff in our world. And it just it just hit me so strongly because we were entering into our normal Sunday experience, and yet, God something incredible for each and every one of us, but we have to be honest, we have to open up our time, open up our minds, open up our hearts, and whatever you're going through, whatever circumstances you're facing right now, today, I really believe in these next 30 minutes, the Holy Spirit wants to help you get through some of these challenges. So let's get started. Okay, let's turn to the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, because this is what's really making me preach this kind of message. Romans 8. Two, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you in bondage. Because of Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit has put us into predictability and routine and organizational boredom. (laughs) Are you that person like me? When you see predictability, you you jump ahead and you know what's going to happen. And and you see the end result. And then when the end result turns out to be better than you'd hoped, you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's really good. Here's the problem with this. I was so beaten down by my past that when I began to imagine my own future, I actually imagined that bad things were going to happen to me in the future because of how I was brought up and because of some of the things that I had dealt with. Now, that, that means that when I read this, when I read Romans 8, verse 2, and I think about it, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, I qualify what this word means when I read, Jesus has set you free, right? Now, now I qualify that. I qualify that. So I'm like, yeah, he set me free. Yeah, he set me free. So I have salvation. Going to heaven. Yay! Let's start a party! I'm going to heaven. This is so good, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. But my life on the earth is crap. But it's okay, because I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. My wife hates me. My kids don't talk to me. But it's okay, because I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to go to heaven. Christians, we're supposed to have heaven now. We're supposed to have heaven on the earth today 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 and I'm trying to teach my own kids I'm trying to teach that when you walk on righteousness on one side and when you walk in peace on the other side that brings heaven to earth that's what I'm trying to teach them and they're like well freedom means that I can do what I want no freedom doesn't mean that freedom in our society today does not mean freedom we say well we want we went on you know I was born as an American and, uh, you know, I have to say the national, the sport, the, all, the, all the American stuff that, that English people hate so much. They hate it. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You put your hand on your heart. Come on, somebody, put your hand on your heart. And if you're, if, you're, if you're in class you don't put your hand on your heart, then you're like, liberty and justice for all. Liberty and justice for all. But we don't talk about freedom. We talk about liberty. And in the West... Today, we talk about freedom, but we don't have freedom today. There was an, a, an immigrant, and he moved to the, uh, to the UK. And he thought, I have freedom. I can do whatever I want. So this person decided, I'm not going to pay my taxes. I'm not going to pay my bills. And then he went out one day, got mad at his neighbor, and he said, I have freedom. So this person, this immigrant, punched his neighbor in the nose. Because he had freedom. Well, that man got hauled up before this... Court here, and he said to the judge, I have freedom. And the judge said, Your freedom stops where your neighbor's nose begins. (laughs) And it's like our freedom stops where another person's freedom begins. So, our definition of freedom is not that we do whatever we want in our Western society. Well, we've got to understand that freedom is so different than that when we talk about a biblical freedom because we're not talking about freedom we're talking about freedom from sin being free from sin is entirely different and I talked about this last week I did have a I don't know where my card is man I tell you what you know freedom from sin that I talked about last week it's like this is so important so so vitally important because I refuse to get back in the sin now this is what happens when we go through tough times and difficult times it is so Easy to get back in the old habit again. So easy for the alcoholic who has been an alcoholic and been set free, miraculous by Jesus. But but I talked about this last week. And they, they get tempted to go back to the old way of life because of all the challenges that they face. Or they, you know, you're tempted to go back to the prescription medication or the gossip, whatever it is, overeating. That's my thing. Who likes to eat cake? Come on, somebody. I'm the kind of guy, if you give me a piece of birthday cake, I'm going to eat the whole flipping cake. <laughs> somebody said to me yesterday, Steve, how about to a cake. I'm like, no, because this, I turn into an evil, addicted monster, right? I'm like, I got to devour it. So I'm like, but if I don't eat it, I'm good. If I don't taste it, I'm good. You see, a lot of us are like that in our Christian experience. If we taste sin, it arouses this appetite for it. And then we want more. So it's so simple don't taste the sin and so in order to be free you've got to understand well what you what were you free from what have you been set free from and if you've been set free from certain things then you don't have to go back there again and i I realize this message probably isn't for everybody i get that because some of you are out there well i got all this together steve i'm 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 perfect i've got it i'm nailed it well you need to help me then because When I meet people and talk to people, I see a lot of struggling and a lot of heartache. And the word of God is like ridiculously amazing. But guys, we've got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we've got to start believing it, confessing it, not just in church on a Sunday morning when we sing, you know, he's the God of the impossible. Whoop! That doesn't threaten an enemy. But when you sing it Monday morning, everything changes. So I've been singing these songs so much that when it comes to my private study time. I'm like, I messed up because I'm, I'm in there in the trenches with people that are fighting for their marriage. Come on somebody. I'm in there in their trenches with addicts and other people and prostitutes in our city who are who are trying to get free i'm in there with the trenches believing god to train up workers and counselors so we can deliver addictions and kick out the hell in our city i'm in there i'm meeting with some of the muslim leaders in our city and some of the millionaires and and i'm like i'm in partnerships i never thought i'd be in partnerships for but but i'm there because god has placed me there so we could drive the hell out of west yorkshire and it's like that's why we're here and so when I, when I look at, when I look at the word of God and I see this promise about freedom and then I look at how we worship and we can't even do drum solos outside of a set list. We can't even do guitar solos in a band and we got one of the best worship teams in the nation. And when I look at the word of God and I think to myself, we got so far to go and it blows my mind and we're about to do a worship album and I'm like, I'm like, I just don't want to do a worship album like everybody else's worship album. So this is what I decided to do. This is crazy. Tomorrow, I've got a banger drum lesson. I'm like, why can't we use banger drums in worship? I'm like, why don't we be creative? So I called this lad up and I said, I'll pay you 50 quid to teach me how to play banger drums. He says, never had anybody ask him that before. I'm about to freak out the worship team. But I tell you what Jesus would do Jesus in his freedom was so free that he was constantly the most exciting person to be around and he, and he changed everything because of his freedom and because of his love for people. And it was like, he was contagious. What happened to our new Christian charismatic experience? Where has it gone in our desire to be structured? Have we so ruled out what it means to be in step with the spirit? Oh my gosh, we've got to get back to that place. I mean, this guy called me this week. He said, Steve, let's talk about stuff. And I went and I found myself in the office of one of the leading millionaires in a city. And he's a boxer. Are there any boxers in the house? And there in in his boardroom, he has the boxing gloves. This is so cool. From Muhammad Ali's Olympic debut. And then he's got Sugar Ray Leonard. And then he's got all these other guys. He's got Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're in Bradford. You shouldn't have this stuff in Bradford. You shouldn't be in Bradford. Why are you in Bradford? And we start talking like, "Well, I want to make a difference. I want to help somebody. And he's just right to the front. And I'm like, so I'm praying. I want to help somebody. And what does God do? God's like, he's going to send us people like that to help us to build this 10 million pound center that we want to build here on this site. And it's like, he's going to send people to help us get the job done in our generation. So it's like, now I expect a phone call. I don't know where it's going to come. I don't know where it's going to leave you, but I'm like, it's the most exciting thing when you don't know what's going to happen next. When you've got your own plans, but you're so far out of the boat following Jesus, that you don't know where he's going to go. How far out of the boat are you? Because some of us, we're so uncomfortable. We just tip one toe out of the boat. We want to get back in again. We was like, tip one out of the boat, get back to our structure, get back to our cozy Christianity. You know, I'm not going to introduce myself to somebody. I'm going to sit in the same seat in the same place in the same message every week for the rest of my life. I'm going to go at the same time to live church. I'm going to be involved with the same people. It's like that's we're just that far out of the boat. I I, I am not that person. I am so far out of the boat. I moved following Jesus, and it brought me to sunny old Bradford, and I'm so glad for what Jesus does. How far are you willing to move? How far are you willing to go outside of the boat to follow Jesus? Because Jesus is like, he's like that character from Matrix. Come on. How far are you going to go? One step? Two steps? How far are you going to go? What's freedom look like? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Go ahead and turn to it. Put it up on the screens. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It's a great thought, because this is how Jesus used his freedom. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. This is what he said. It's a very simple principle, but it's right through our life. And the Bible says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. There we see Jesus out working. Do you know what we're going to do at the end of the service? We're going to pray an anointing over people who want to be used by the power of God to see all people healed by the devil. That's what we're going to do at the end of this service. We're going to pray and trust God and bring the worship team back up and believe that we would bring that power into the city. I really believe that. I've been hearing about people that are ill and sick. You know what? The best thing you can do is when someone's sick, you stand in the gap for them. And you pray for them. And you let God anoint you and touch you. And then you leave this place and you go back and you pray for them. And you see God do miracles. So here's what the Holy Spirit has asked me to communicate now. Now we see Jesus. But let's see how this works. Because, you know, we all think Jesus... Is amazing I get that but it's hard to relate to Jesus walking around doing all this cool stuff it's hard to relate to that and you know I'm a pastor and so some of you probably think well it's easy for Steve because he's a pastor so I want you to look at Daniel chapter 6 because in Daniel chapter 6 we're not looking at a pastor we're not looking at that we're not looking at somebody who was who is out there on the front lines you know serving Jesus in a house called the Jewish nation or the church When we look at Daniel's life, we see a man in a government role, in a political position, who had to administer the nation, and he had to submit to the king's rules and edicts. It's a bit like today, when we have to submit to the Labor Party, or the Conservative Party, or Inland Revenue, or the different laws and legislations of our land. That was Daniel's world. But Daniel had a different spirit about him. Daniel knew that even in his life, even in what he wanted to do, he needed to have a different way of looking at things. So go ahead and turn there. Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to pick this story up and just read for a few few moments here. I'll start reading in verse 1, and we'll see how far we get. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. If we could get the NIV up, perfect. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with the three administrators over them. One of them was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king may not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. There it is. Exceptional qualities are what we should have in the house of God. When we're in the workplace, we should have exceptional qualities about us. We should be the most integrous, virtuous, honest, hardworking, inventive, creative people in the place. We should love our enemies like Christ loved the church. We should never be involved in gossip. We should never be involved in backbiting or sending an email about somebody else. We should always be full of forgiveness and love. We should be having lunch with the Judases who hate us, creep us out. Wow, this is hard, this is what I love to do. When I know somebody has a problem with me, and I get different people to reply and they, they approach us a different way. But when I know somebody has a problem with me, I walk up to them and I give them a hug. It's awesome. Now, if you're a man and you've got a problem with me, I don't hug you straight away, so it's cool. I usually like, you know, do a handshake or do a high five. But I did it the other, way, the other day, I, I gave somebody a great big hug, and they were like kind of awkward. And so I squeezed tighter. <laughs> squeeze tighter. Grab, squeeze tighter. Big little hug. Squeeze then they go. squeeze tighter. Give him a big hug. And then I, I said, I love you, buddy. <laughs> See, what other people would do in a conflict like that is they would start a conflict. They would start, a, they would, they would start a, a, a complaint or they would try to involve somebody that's negative. What do you do? You start doing that, treating other people like that, they're going to get defensive they're gonna have a reason now to dislike you. They're gonna have a reason to be able to hate you, but if you wanna be free, and free indeed, if you wanna be free in the way you think, you've gotta approach this a different way. And I've learned this now. When I love somebody, and even when they dislike me, guess who ends up feeling free? I walk away from that conversation feeling free. I don't know about the other person, but I know I have done my job in sowing a seed for a step of freedom. Because this is what I've learned. That person who doesn't like you, they are not the devil incarnate. They are not the evil enemy. And I used to think like this years ago. Years ago, when I went to Bible school, I was taught that if people aren't with you, they're against you. Oh, that church down the road. If they're not with you, they're against you. Ooh, the Anglicans, the Catholics, the Baptists, the Methodists, the different ministry streams. Ooh, if they're not with you, they're against you. You know what that is? That is a lie from the pit of hell. Psalm 133 says that where the blessing of the Lord is, there is unity. Right? Okay, now I know that they think, well, what does that mean, Steve? Should we all go join different churches? So people don't, don't teach this. Pastors don't teach this because they want to keep people in the church. They want to keep people in the church. They want to keep people in the church. But here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to equip the church to go into the world and reach people in the world. It's a totally different focus. Oh my gosh, tonight, you guys, I'm preaching at the York Minster Cathedral League place. What's that called? I don't even, the Belfry or something. I don't know what that is. And you know what? I've had to repent before I even go because when I first walked in, Uh, to some of these places and and there were like dead people in coffins i was like you can't put dead people in church at least not that are really dead i have plenty of dead people in my church they're just asleep but they're not really dead but but i'm like and i and i used to make all these bad jokes about it and all the rest of it and it tells me how far i've come when 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 now I, i see the body of christ for what it is and all of it's diversity. And I realize that those of us who have received the love of God, we have a responsibility to share the love of God. Amen. We don't get the right to choose who is our Christian brother and sister. We don't get that right. We don't get that right. We just follow Jesus and he decides who's on our team. We don't get that right. But we've made it like, oh no, we're, we're not cool with that. We want to not be involved in all that. And I'm like, guys, we have to change our mindsets. And here's Daniel. He understood all this. He wasn't bothered about the rubbish. And I've heard this about our church from different people. I've heard that we're political, not political, like which are you labor conservative, but we're, we're like, you know, there's politics in church life. You need to understand if there's one thing I am as your pastor, I don't give a rip about church politics. I never have. And you know what it's made me to be over the years? It's maybe to be unpopular. But I've been the guy that's saying, hey, what about that wayward person over there that needs help? And it's like, well, Steve, that's going to take a lot of work. I'm like, so? Well, they're going to need counseling. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, they're going to need, like, somebody to be their friend. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I'm like, yeah, we're going to be that person. I'm like, well, yeah, but, but that means that we're not going to be able to study the Bible today. I'm like, ooh, excuse me. Since when was it about how much we know? Since when was it about how much Bible that we read and macro amounts of time and how cool our messages are? When did it get about all that? When did it get about how cool we were like on the stage and everything? Like, I mean, sorry for being honest, but like I came out of the music world and I was a drummer. I knew how to make people stand up. I do a drum solo. My, my, My rapping's not very good, but my drumming's better. And if I do the right thing, I can get people to jump up and stand up and clap and shout. I know how to do that musically. But I tell you what, when you get back into your broken marriage, it doesn't help you one bean. So you've got to find something true about this Jesus and take him with you into your week ahead. Man, I don't know why you guys are in this church, but you give me so much grace. Charlotte, I love you guys so much. We pray for you so much. And over these past couple of years, we've gotten so free in the way we love you that it, it, it's helping us to be honest. It's, it's helping us to let you know that as a church, we're before God about this. Uh, and I'm inspired by Daniel. I'm intrigued by Daniel. Like, how did he not compromise? How did he handle that? How did he deal with, with people who were hell bent, full of ego and selfish pride? They were hell bent to destroy his life. And here's Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, he had no corruption in him. Now, that means this. Every area of his life was free. There was not even the hint of corruption in him. And he was in an evil, hell-bent religion, and it was full of bondage and compromise, But, but he had no problem with dealing with the LGBT issue of his day. He had no problem about it. He he was wise about it. He had no problem in dealing with some of the issues. He wasn't involved in pornography and child pornography and the other traps. He was not an addict. He was not sacrificing himself or getting wasted or drunk. He had no corruption in him. We've got more compromise in churches today than I think there has been for a long time. Because preachers are so frightened to live free. We're so frightened to talk about some of this stuff. But if we want the spirit of Daniel in our houses we want to see God do great things. It's time for us to be incredibly honest. If you struggle with a sin, that doesn't make you a sinner. That just makes you a person who needs the grace of Jesus Christ. Okay, now you got to understand this. It's like, this is so pertinent. It's like, if you're struggling with sin and you go, oh, you know, I failed. Oh, I'm broken. Nothing's going to ever fix me. I'm, woe is me. You're going to sink into depression. And if you sink into depression, you're not going to be able to change. You're like, yes, I failed, but I'm not a failure. Oh, I've screwed up, but I'm not a screw up. Oh, I'm broken, but there's still hope for you. And what happens is you get one foot up and you're like, life is hard, but I know God is with me. I'm going through a tough time but Jock's my brother. I'm going to talk to Jock and Jock's going to pray with me and we're going to take a couple of steps forward together and you start to feel stronger again. Here's what an enemy wants you to think. You're a failure. Don't go to church. Don't call your brother. Just make sure the image of you looking good as a Christian is good. One step down. Don't tell anybody how you really feel. Don't tell anybody your real struggles. Two steps down. Why don't you just stay in bed and watch a podcast today three steps down? Before you know it, you're in bondage and your freedom, your very freedom that was designed to help you changes. Let me show you what this freedom is. God put it on my heart to show this to you today. It's from an old movie and the old movie is called Braveheart. And and I know you're like, I know you're like, many of you have seen this film, but I'm asking you, how many people have not seen the movie Braveheart with Mel Gibson? Raise your hand. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a whole generation that have not seen this film. And in this film, you know the story, This Scottish, I want to kick the butt of the English. (laughs) Then they come and destroy them. And there's a scene in the film, there's a scene in the film, William Wallace comes in and they said, you're not William Wallace. William Wallace is seven foot two. Mel Gibson playing the part says, he's so funny. I can't do it like him, but I'm going to try. He, he says, all right, if William Wallace was here, <laughs> I know it's an awesome accent. William Wallace is here. He shoot, what did he say? He, I can't remember what he says, but I know the last line is, he'll shoot lightning bolts out of his ass and destroy the English. <laughs> oh, was so funny. But come on, let's watch Mel Gibson say it because he says it better than I do. What's next is amazing. What will you do with your freedom? That was the title of my message, by the way. But we kind of got pear-shaped on the way in. What did Daniel do with his freedom? What did Jesus do with his freedom? Look what happens next. Play, just let the clip roll a little bit further. Watch that movie this week. At the end of the movie course he dies he's hung drawn and quartered and in his last breath in the movie i know it's the movie it's actually not really historical that part of it but it makes for a good preach and he shouts out freedom at the end it's, what is it? it was it was it wasn't even william wallace that shouted freedom but that doesn't matter in the movie it works and god can use all kinds of things to help you discover your freedom go back to daniel what happens these enemies come after Daniel and they decide, they say, Daniel, you are going to be the leader of the biggest nation on the earth. So this is what they decide to do. They go after Daniel by corrupting the king because they can't corrupt Daniel. And they issue a law. And the law makes it illegal to pray to anyone except for the king. And if you pray to anyone except for the king you are destined to be instantly killed now that's the edict now this is daniel this is how he does this in verse 10 three times a day daniel goes upstairs to a private room and he gets down on his knees and he prays and he gives thanks to god just as he had done before church i'm calling you to pray i'm calling you to pray For your marriage for your children for your future for your nation you go to a place if it's a toilet a hallway a private room like daniel did and he prayed three times a day of course the men who decided that they were going to capture him and and do this they knew he was going to do that so they came and they caught him praying and they took daniel to the king and when the king heard that daniel had broken the edict it says the king was greatly distressed because the king did not want to do this to daniel but daniel was using his freedom to serve god what was happening is simply this the enemy your devil the adversary the lion he wants to cut off the source of your freedom the source of your freedom is jesus christ and so if your source is cut off then everything else begins to entropy and it begins to erode and it begins to fail and daniel knew this so Daniel went up there and he prayed in a private place. He didn't look for conflict, but he prayed and he, cri- he cried out to God. What would our lives look like? What would our church look like if every time we faced addictions our problems our challenges, we just took two minutes to go up and pray and call on God? I'm telling you what would happen. I believe that revival would sweep West Yorkshire with just a few hundred people in the room right now. We could cause revival by doing that one simple thing. And this is what happens. The king distressed. You know the story. They take him and they throw Daniel into a lion's den. And they put a stone, a two-ton stone, just like the stone that was put thousands of years later that blocked Jesus in the cave. And it was sealed with the king's signet ring. And there he was left overnight. You see, sometimes when you start to serve God, you end up going into greater challenges than you thought. See, he was praying. Many of us think, well, we'll pray, we're going to have a breakthrough. If the song isn't there. This is the place of breakthrough. Well, how come my breakthrough has not happened yet? Anybody ask that kind of prayer? I do. How come my breakthrough has not yet come? And here's Daniel. His breakthrough didn't come. In fact, it was the opposite. He was thrown into a prison, thrown into a jail cell. with lions for crying out loud. But you know what he did? He did, in the, he did in the cave with the lions exactly what he did in the bedroom. He did exactly what he trained himself to do. I believe he got down on his knees and he prayed. And he said, God, you're with me in this place, in the darkest of dark, with these ferocious beasts. But God, I know you're going to protect me. Do you know what some of you need to do this week? God, you're going to protect me from situations going on right now in my business Going around, you call on God. God, you're gonna protect me in this situation. You're gonna see God turn up in spades. You're gonna see God do things that would blow your mind. But can I speak to the men of God in the house? You've gotta stand up for your families, man. You've gotta be the first one that sets the tone for the rest of the family. In my household, as for me in my household, they will serve the Lord. It's not an option. They will come to church. It's like, I know my wife's strong. I get that. We should empower the girls to be strong. But men, don't ever let your wives take the lead without you stepping up first. You step up first as the first among equals and decide to serve God with all of your heart. And when Daniel did that, an earthquake happened. A revival happened. A revolution happened. But no one saw it. The revolution was that he got to use lions as a pillow. Woo! Warm lions, cozy lions, cozied up with these things. And of course, the very next day, the Bible tells us that the king, he'd been up all night praying. He was distressed. He didn't sleep. And he came. And when he rolled it back, he said, he said, Daniel, Daniel, are you there? And Daniel was there. He was alive. He was alive in the midst of his struggles. So the king brings him out. And you know the story. The very people who were accusing Daniel were led back into the lion's den. And the lions devoured them before they even stepped foot in the cave, it says. This is ridiculous stuff. And then it ends with this edict. Where the king says, God, the God of Daniel, is the living God. And he endures forever. And I issue issue a decree in my kingdom that everyone must fear And reverence the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Do you know what we've lost, I think, in our generation, in our church? A fear of God. A fear of God that he sees everything we're doing behind closed doors. And so what that means is it's okay. You want to watch pornography? It's okay. If you you want to do stuff, you know, cheat on your wife or cheat on your husband, it's okay. No, it is not okay. It is not okay. There is health and healing for all of that stuff. And I've realized that, you know, in Daniel's day and, and in our generation, that, that God has given us tools. People have invented tools like this phone. He's given us computers and technology, all these things he's given us. But the tools that God has given us were never meant to be a trap. The tools were meant to extend the gospel of the kingdom of God. But we've turned the tools that our generation has into the very things that addict us in holding us back. I don't know about you, but if you're addicted to an iPhone or addicted to whatever else it is, take your addiction and get rid of it. Take your addiction and let it go. And don't go back to that addiction again. If that means some of you need to get rid of your temptations and vices, come on, can we just get rid of them? Can, can we just get rid of them? and just like not let them bother us? Can we just deal with that? You know, I had a friend of mine once, he was a heroin addict, and, and he came to my house for detox, and not that I know very good how to do that, but I knew enough, and, and I got him clean and I got him sober, but then I realized he was using his phone to text his old friends. And his old friends were like, they wanted to get him back into his old lifestyle because he was a dealer. And they're texting him and he was tempted. And you know what I had to do? I had to say to him, give me your phone. Give me your phone so that in your weak moments, you won't be tempted to text your friends again. But he's like, Steve, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I'm like, listen, give me your phone. I took the phone off Nick D'Angelo. I took the phone off of him and said, Nick, You're a man of God. This is not going to beat you. This is not going to destroy you. You're going to rise up against the addictions. And then I asked him a brave thing. I said, I want to know the names of the dealers who were giving you the drugs. And he says, Steve, if I tell you the names of the dealers, they're probably going to kill me. And I said, listen, they can't kill you. Because the angels of God are going to protect you just like they protected Daniel. Because I'm going to go where I started. I believe this period that Jesus Christ is Lord of the earth. I believe that i believe he will send angels to protect us i believe that with all my heart and that site up there proves it because we've got one of the biggest drug dealers in our generation in prison because of the power of jesus christ moving through the church that is real people and the good thing is this nick d'angelo ended up marrying a beautiful christian girl putting his life back together and going on to serve god why Because he took his tool that was tempting him and he turned it around for good. Church, I'm going to ask, if you're using a tool, it's time to get rid of it forever. It's time to put it to one side so that it never becomes an issue again in your life. And I know I'm preaching real. I know I'm preaching honest today, but I think our world is crying out for authenticity and honesty and people that are going to say it like it is because oh, we just we just can't keep going like we're going in our generation we have to be radical in our christian faith we have to decide we're going to be like daniel in our generation we're going to be those that pray we're going to see those that have the power of god flowing through them and we're going to see the deliverance of people that we definitely love We're going to see with prayer, we're going to see God's power, and we're going to see our people delivered. Come on, who's going to do that? Say that with me now. Come on, let's say this together. I'm going to pray, I'm going to see God's power for my people. Hey, you know what? That was not a professionally produced program. That was just raw, authentic, God is for us stuff. And whatever you're facing in life, if you're honest and you approach Him, with a sense of openness, God will meet you wherever you are at today. Whatever your addictions, whatever your challenges, whatever you're going through, whatever your past things that are habitual, that are holding you back, I'm here to let you know that it is for freedom that Christ set you free. So let's be open to that freedom. Let's ask God, help us to get free from all these different challenges. Then let's focus on what we use our freedom for. Hey, we would love you to visit one of our services, but if you can't make it, wherever you are today, open up your heart and mind to Jesus. He loves you, he's got an incredible plan and purpose for your life. And remember that we are entirely for you. So we're praying for you to have a great week, month, and year ahead. Coming this November, XL Men's Conference, with the theme, Fight the Good Fight of the Faith, from 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. Join us at Life Church for this power packed gathering that will help you to be a better man, brother, friend, and husband. Hosted by lead pastor Steve Gambill, XL Men's Conference 2017 will feature amazing worship and guest speaker Miles McPherson, former NFL football player and pastor of The Rock Church in San Diego. You were born into a war where God said, I want you to have dominion over the powers of darkness in your life. I want you to have dominion over the powers of darkness in other people's lives and set people free. That's what you were made for. XL Men's Conference takes place at Life Church in Bradford on Friday the 17th and Saturday the 18th of November. Join with us. Be impacted and leave stronger. Tickets are £35. Book now. Go to xlconference.com. That's XCELconference.com.